you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so how do you design a game one piece at a time? Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Gabe from the Board Game Design Lab. Gabe, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what the Game Board Design Lab is? Definitely. First of all, Matt, really appreciate you having me here on the show. The Board Game Design Lab uh, started off as just a podcast uh, about four years ago. I live in Honduras, and so I was wanting to get involved in the board game community in some way in the industry. And originally, I was like, well, let me review board games. And I realized there's no board game stores in Honduras, and that's going to make getting games very difficult. And so what else can I do? And I was very interested in designing games. It's something I've been dabbling in for years. And I thought, well, you know, what if I start a podcast? What if I just invite guests uh, who are designers and publishers onto a show, and I interview them about specific topics? And that's kind of how it started. I couldn't find a podcast that was design related that I, I really loved. There are a lot of them out there that were fine. They were good. But I found myself wanting something a little bit different. And I thought, you know what, let me just create my own show and we'll see what happens. And I, I was hoping that like 10 people would listen. And if I could get a good audience of like double digit people, you know, 10 or so, then I would feel pretty good about it. And uh, it just kind of took off from there. And uh, here we are four years later. And it's pretty much become my full-time job. And uh, it's just been a wild ride all the way here. But basically, the Board Game Design Lab is a podcast and a community focused on helping people design great games that other people love. You know, bringing new designers into the hobby to show them, this is how you design games. And I wish I had this information 10 years ago when I started, but I'll just give it to you and help you be 10 years ahead of where where I was. And uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun to create that community and, and continue to do that show. Nice. And you know, there's, there's something to be said for building a community uh, with consistently showing up to that community. 100% the best way for all of you out there who just decided during, you know, the pandemic, since you're stuck at home to say, okay, I'm going to start a podcast remember that it's going to take years to build that audience right yeah. you know we've been doing ours for almost two years now and you know i would say almost no one listened to our podcast for the first like six months <laughs> and then but now i mean now we have thousands of people who listen to it which is fabulous and so let me ask you about board game design lab i know that you just recently wrapped up a kickstarter project do you want to tell us a little bit about what that is because i thought it was super interesting yeah, for sure. So it was a project for a, a board game design starter kit. And basically what, I, what I'm telling people is it's a box full of fun waiting to happen. So it's a box full of all these components. You've got dice and meeples and cubes and tokens and all sorts of like dry erase components that you can mark all over and then erase and do it all over again. But it it's really just to help you design a game, right? And so, so many people that have come into my community, they're just getting started. They don't have a closet full of stuff like I do, you know, after years of, you know, tearing down games and going to the thrift store and finding old games and just, you know, taking all the parts out of them and reusing them, you know, and so they're just getting started. And so I wanted to create a resource that would just give them cool stuff to make games. And also it's great for kids. You know, if you want uh, a kid to get into games or designing my, my daughters, they love it. When I gave them the prototype of the starter kit, they just took it and they've been designing their own games, which has been awesome to, to play these games that, you know, it's just, it's just fun. And that's something that we get to connect over and talk about game design and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun little project and 
had about 1500 or so people back the campaign, which was excellent. And so, and then also it has a lot of like resources for how to design games. So it's not just components. There's also some booklets in there and some digital resources to also talk about how to design a game, you know, tips and tricks as far as prototyping and playtesting and things like that. So it's not just stuff. It's also information. Nice. And, you know, I've heard some people recently kind of on, on the Twitters and, and stuff talking in the, in, in the gaming world about how we're kind of entering the golden age of tabletop gaming. Games like Dungeons and Dragons are, you know, hitting the New York Times bestseller list for their books. And, and, you know, there's just massive amounts of players. I mean, I remember when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, everybody bugged the three of us in the entire town that I lived in who played it because we were huge nerds. And, you know, and like those three nerds that played Dungeons and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And now it's like everybody plays the game, right? You know, I shouldn't say everybody, but I mean, it, it definitely has grown uh, exponentially compared to where it was when I was a kid. And interestingly enough, I mean, you guys can't see it on the podcast. and I've got my green screen here. But if I were to lift this up, it's nothing but Dungeons and Dragons books <laughs> for awesome. shelves and shelves and shelves. But yeah, I've always been fascinated with games, especially game mechanics, like what makes a game fun. Right. And uh, I think that's a really um important thing obviously you want a game to be fun but i think it's important to understand the mechanics of what makes games fun in the marketing world i mean we're a digital marketing podcast and it's hard sometimes to make your product fun or at least look fun or seem fun right what are some of the mechanics in games that makes them fun like, what do you think makes, I know there's a lot of them, but what are the, what are some of the things that make a fun board game? Yeah. And that's really the million dollar question, right? If you can, if you can figure that out and market it effectively, you'll be a billionaire. But the way I look at games, the way I encourage other people to think about game design process is look at a game as a fun engine that when people put in time, they get fun out. So whatever it is about your game that is the most fun, make sure players are spending the most amount of time doing those things and make sure everything else really supports that fun aspect. Right. So if the fun part of your game is playing cards you know, on other people and making them lose cards or you playing monsters or whatever, like Magic the Gathering, right? The, the card play and the combos and all that, that is the fun part. And so you want to make sure that that game is really focused on those aspects and it not focused on other things. And so you want to cut away anything that takes away from the core experience and, and just getting to the heart of all right, what is it about the experience that makes the game fun? Is it that players get to feel smart when they do certain things? They get to feel clever. They get to feel like they're smarter than their opponent. Or is, or is the fun in the cooperation? Is it a game where you're all on the same team and you're trying to save the world and you know keep it from blowing up or something like that? And now the fun is us working together, like whatever the core experience is. Make sure that that is the, the focal point and you get rid of everything else. Cut away all the other stuff. And that, it doesn't matter what product you're talking about. It's the same thing, right? What is the core experience? What is the core thing that you want the customer to experience? And then get rid of everything else. In your marketing, make sure you're very clear. Make sure it's, you know, the clarity is just so obvious. And you, so, so many times people try to be clever in their marketing and they're not clear about what the core experience is. And whether you're talking about games or you're talking about shampoo or you're talking about buying a new car, it doesn't matter. Clarity is king with what is the best part of this? Let's focus on it. Absolutely. Everybody, that is a valuable piece of advice. And we have talked about it on the podcast before. Clever doesn't work if people don't understand what you're talking about. All you're doing is paying to advertise to confuse more people, right? <laughs> right. So yeah. it's very important. And so 
when we talk about game mechanics, I think, you know, I'm pretty into games, so I have a pretty broad understanding of, of the tabletop gaming world. But a lot of people may not. Right. Maybe they've only played like a few of the kind of mass production games like your Monopoly, which is basically like a resource collection game. Right. And then you've got like Scrabble, you know, which is like a word game. And then maybe they've played like Uno or something. Right. Like a kind of a randomized card game. But there's other types of games, a couple that you actually just mentioned, like one would be a good example of a cooperative game would be like Pandemic, where you have to go and also, you know, kind of currently very fitting fitting for right now. You have to go and try and save the world from a pandemic. Right. And and everybody works together and, and you either win together or lose together. There's also like resource management games. That's like your Catan kind of thing. And you probably have more examples of these than I do. But some other there's like the battling games, right, where you have cards and you fight each other kind of stuff or you fight against something like in uh, maybe like something like Munchkin, you know, would be a good example or magic. Right. And then, of course, there's there's like role playing games and stuff, but those generally aren't really board games. And that's like your Dungeons and Dragons and, and, and that kind of thing. I think that there is such a broad range of tabletop games now that there's really something out there for everyone. It's it's kind of just a matter of finding it, right? And there's also there's there's games that you can play repeatedly and and you know they're fun to play over and over and over. And then there's some games that maybe are just a one or a two times that you play it kind of a one-off, right? And that might be something like you know like an escape room game or like like the murder mystery dinner kind of thing right yeah there's a really great game called time stories which takes a lot of those concepts and puts them in board game form and you're going through this story and you're basically time traveling to these different periods and it's very narrative driven you know there's some dice rolling there's some comment things like that but it's really about the story but once you go through the story it's like okay well i know all the surprises i know everything and it, it's almost like experiencing a movie yourself or experiencing a novel and kind of getting to be part of it and so yeah there's like like i said there's so many games for any kind of person out there, any kind of interest, any kind of taste, it's amazing. Yeah, and some of the games that I think that people maybe are more familiar with now are some of the card games and stuff like your Cards Against Humanity, Joking Hazard. It's kind of in that same genre, right, where you're making a cartoon strip out of the cards. I think that there's also, I hate to like, I don't know, knock some games that are out there. But I've had a couple really crappy games that I bought that are like production games, you know, that, that you know, they're like the office game that you get at like a Target store or something. Just, that is a terrible game. Like we bought this game. I For starters, you can't even understand the instructions. It doesn't really make any sense. And the whole point of the game is just to like say quotes from the TV show or something. It's like the, the dumbest game I've ever seen. But they could have built something fabulous, right? With all of the, all of the lore and stuff that they have from a TV show that ran that long, you know, they could have done something fabulous with it. So let me get back on track a little bit here though. When somebody has an idea for a game, okay, maybe they've been listening to the podcast or whatever, and they want to try and make like a a production copy of their game that's going to be sold commercially. What's kind of the first step once they've like, they've got the idea They've listened to you a little bit and they're like, okay, I want to, I want to, I want to get this thing going. What's the first step? Yeah. Well, the first question I always ask is why, why do you want to do this? And really getting to the heart of what's this about for you personally. And because sometimes it's really not even about getting a game on a store shelf. It's really just about validation for yourself or self-esteem. Like there's all sorts of stuff. And so I like to ask that question first, why, why are you doing this? And let's just be intentional about that. Uh, The next question, it becomes, 
how do you want to do this? Do you want to start a business and go and do a Kickstarter and raise the money? Or do you have money in the bank that you're you know, having savings and you want to do the whole publishing yourself and you want to hire the artist and hire a graphic designer and, and reach out to the factory and handle all the stuff from China or Germany or wherever you want to go? Do you want to do all that? Because if you do, you're starting a business that's going to be a, a side job, maybe turned into you know, something bigger. But it's a lot of work and you're going to have to do 50 different jobs as one person, right, if you're doing it by yourself. Or do you want to approach a publisher that's already established and just basically sell them your idea and they license it and they give you a percentage, you know, 8 to 10 percent, something like that. And then they handle the arts. They handle the development, you know, tweaking things. They handle graphic design, printing, marketing, all that stuff. And then you just make a small percentage of each sale. And so it's why do you want to do this? And then. How do you want to do it? Do you want to just be a designer or do you want to control the whole process yourself and get into the actual publishing world? And then we can kind of figure out where to go from there. Sure. So when let's independently talk about those kind of two tracks. So if you were going to approach a publisher uh, to publish your game, is then the focus to maybe you do some consulting work or something with them and get it, get the idea in a format that's prepared for them where you're not really like prototyping it and getting the artwork and all that stuff done. You're just kind of getting the thematically and getting all the process and instructions and procedures kind of in the game put down. Yeah. So by the time you want to approach a publisher, the game should be roughly around 90, 80 to 90% done. Like it should be pretty much done. You're not changing stuff. Uh, you should be open to changing the theme potentially because the publisher might see it and go, okay, this is zombies. I would much rather do Vikings and we're going to change the thing. And so if you're not open to that, it is what it is. Uh, but the publisher is really going to take your idea and, and hopefully help you do that last five or 10% of really just polishing it, taking it from good to great. Uh, and they're going to start figuring out, okay, what do we want the art direction to be and all that. Now going into that process, uh, a few different tracks. Now, if you're going in the mass market world, it's a much different space. If you're trying to go to Hasbro or Mattel or any of those like, you know, mega companies that sell bazillions of games into the mass market, that's a whole different process. Uh, I'm not as familiar with that one, but that's a lot of you with a shirt and tie going to these conventions and you doing a pitch meeting and it's very corporate and that kind of thing. The world I'm in is a little more laid back. It, it really starts off with an email uh, saying, hey, this is who I am. I've got this game idea. It's almost like a, a quick pitch and saying, this is why I think it would fit your company. And then sometimes the publisher will say, okay, that sounds like a cool idea. You know, you've got them on the elevator pitch. And they'll say, send me a sell sheet, right? And a sell sheet is just a one-page document that basically summarizes your game. You've got some pictures of, of, the, of the prototype on there. You've got the components listed, your contact information, kind of what makes the game stand out, what makes it great. And if they like that, they'll say, okay, well, either let's meet at a convention coming up or let's have a Skype call or something like that. Let's talk about it or send us your prototype. Go ahead and put that in the mail. We'll play it. We'll get back to you. And then it kind of goes through the process. Now, this could this could take a year. It could take a year and a half. Like it depends on timelines and manufacturing schedules and all that kind of thing where a publisher has it you know, in their schedule and, and time. But ultimately, you know, it turns into uh, if they like the game and it fits their their lineup, turns into a contract, turns into art, graphic design, manufacturing, shipping on a store shelf. And that can take a while. Now, is that kind of for publishers who sell to kind of like your local game store kind of selling, but not necessarily selling to like a Walmart or a Target or? Yeah, well, used to. It was only game stores like hobby stores. But now Target and Walmart are realizing how much money there is to be made with some of these games. And so you're seeing games show up all over the place. I mean, used to it would just be you would have to find that game store that maybe there's one close to you within 50 miles, but maybe not. Where now they're showing up all over the place, especially big games like Ticket to Ride and, and some of these games that do appeal to more of them. They're not quite mass market games, but they do appeal to a, a much broader audience than these hobby hobby games. 
Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're kind of higher ticket game, right? Like ticket to ride is a high ticket game. I mean, it's probably 50, 60 bucks, right? By that. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's in that 40, $50 range. Mm-hmm. And Target, I mean, they used to have a shelf that was like, they had two shelves of games. One was kids games and one was like cards, poker chips and like Monopoly and Scrabble, right? (laughs) Now it's like a whole wall, right? You go into a Target and at least, you know, on Hillsborough where I am. So on the other side of kind of independently kind of building and, and creating and printing your game, doing it on your own budget kind of thing. Is that a process that they follow? Like, does your company walk them through that process? Is it more of a consulting thing or is it like a program they buy or something like that? Like, how does that come together? Yeah. So I've written a couple of books that I, I lead people to say, hey, this, these books have tons of information, whether it's about game design or I just released one about Kickstarter and it's the whole thing. I interviewed a ton of people that have made millions of dollars through, through various projects on Kickstarter, picked their brains for their, their best advice and then brought in a guy that's a marketing wizard. He does tons of marketing for Kickstarter campaigns. He's helped other companies make a ton of money. So he helped me write the marketing chapter. I put a whole bunch of my personal experiences in there. And so that book is super helpful. It's called Board Game Kickstarter Advice. And I try to lead people to that book. The podcast is more kind of general topics. We talk about anything and everything related to game design, publishing, Kickstarter, marketing, all that stuff. I do offer some consulting. You know, People do hire me from time to time to help them with either design their game or you know, getting their Kickstarter page put together, the campaign ready to go to hopefully fund and, and you know make lots of money. But right now, it's really about the community. It's also you know I have this Facebook group. It's got a little over six thousand members in it of tons of designers, tons of people who have done really really well, tons of people in there who are just getting started. And so that's also a great place to go in and just ask a question. Say, hey, this is my game. Here's my idea. Here's my Kickstarter. What do you guys think? Can I get some feedback? And that is a wonderful place. It's called the Board Game Design Lab Community. Just search for that on Facebook, and and that's an awesome place to get answers. We put the links in the show notes. Uh, everybody get them at hookseo.com slash podcast to get the show notes where they'll also be kind of underneath the podcast in your podcast provider app. You can always just go in there and click on it. Have you guys or or have you personally worked with any games like that have gone kind of commercially successful games you know, at, a, at a larger scale? It's a good question. I'm trying to think in the community, there's been several nothing that i can say oh yep i had my hand in that you know i've, I've consulted on games that made you know hundred thousand plus dollars on kickstarter uh, right. I've, I've made decent amount of money through my own games and, and projects through the platform I'm trying to think there's been yeah several that have done pretty well but i would say that's more from the community than it right. is from, from me uh personally designing you know my my games typically i get around 1500 people or so in the pre-orders uh, and so still trying to break through to that you know, mega success. Well, that's still pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah it's not bad at all. I'm not mad about it. You need that thousand true fans. Yeah, exactly. You get a thousand people to give you a uh, hundred bucks each year and you make a million dollars. Yeah, you'll be okay, right? That's right. So, I mean, there's there's pretty good margin in games in general, but the big thing that most people before they start, whether it's even video games, role-playing games, board games, any kind of game, is that you have to put up all the time and effort and money up front before you get anything, right? Which is difficult. I mean, you can't really sell your game while you're making it. I mean, I guess you could sort of on the Kickstarter side, you know, you could get some of the art and some of it kind of pre-done and then pre-sell it and work out the details after. But I mean, for the most part, you got to have a lot of work done up front, right? Before you're getting any money. I, I assume there's not a whole lot of, independent investment into people making board games and stuff, right? Like you're not going to get like VC capital money or something like that to make, you know, 
No, not really. There might be one or two companies out there that, that could. Asmodee is a huge company. Cool Mini or not, or come on, I think they're called now. They're they're a publicly traded company. And so there are a handful, but it's very, very rare, very few companies that have that kind of pool. You know, for the most part, the gaming industry right now is a group of either one person or like three to five people teams that are, are running their, their game company, right? And somebody's in charge of publishing and like bringing in games and developing things like that. And somebody's in charge of marketing and somebody's in charge of like logistics, you know, and then everybody's wearing like a whole bunch of other hats as well, you know, and try to figure it out. So that's, that's the most part. Cool. So if somebody has an idea for a game, what do you think their kind of first steps should be? You know, like they just, they're in the shower and they're like, Oh my God, this would make a great game. <laughs> What's the first step to kind of making that become a reality someday? Yeah, well, the first thing is, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, do you want to make a game that is, is viable in the marketplace? And as a product, that's nothing. Are you designing a game or are you designing a product? Because those are very different things. Because if you just want to design a game that you and your kids can enjoy, you and your family, you know, you and your friends, that's totally fine. And design as much as you want and have fun with it. If you want to design a product that's going to be sold, then you need to think a little bit differently, right? With how the theming is, what's the player experience, a little more going on. But then the main thing you got to do is prototype it. There are so many wonderful ideas, but who cares? Uh, ideas are worth nothing, right? It's that whole dreams and designs are free, hustle sold separately. And so the quicker you can turn that idea into a prototype and get it on a table and start moving some cards around, moving some dice and some cubes and some tokens, then then the real design work starts because it's really about playtesting. Designing is, who cares, whatever. It's really about the cards and the board or whatever that's on the table. Let me move some stuff around. Is this fun? Does it have some fun aspects to it? Okay, it does. All right, let me let me do this. Let me add this other idea. Let me put these components together. And so that's what I do. I, I don't, you know, a lot of people, they try to design an entire game all at the same time and they get overwhelmed. Well, of course, it's a massive undertaking. And so what I encourage people to do is just design one tiny part, right? Design the combat system for your game. Design the movement system. Design how the cards combo, whatever it is. And then and then see if it's any good. And if it is, okay, well, now you got a little motivation. You got a little uh, energy going. That, that worked pretty well. Let me add something to it. Let me add another thing. It's kind of the, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so how do you design a game one piece at a time? And then just kind of go from there. Cool. And one thing I saw is on your podcast, and I haven't listened to the episode yet, but it was about Tabletop Simulator, which has been super popular since, you know, the whole pandemic thing, because people want to be able to play games, but they can't go out with each other. And Tabletop Simulator has actually been around for a long time. I mean, I remember playing like a super early beta version of it years ago. I assume it's come a long way since then. I haven't messed with it much since then. But do you think that the virtual space for board games is something that is going to keep up after, you know, once things open up a bit more from after the pandemic? Do you think that's here to stay, that kind of virtual gaming space? I think there will be some drop off, obviously, because a lot of people much prefer to be in person and to look across the table and see a real person, that kind of thing. But there's also a lot of people who just now found Tabletop Simulator and they don't really have access to a normal gaming group. They don't have access to a bunch of people to play test their games or to go online and just find new friends. And maybe they live kind of middle, middle of nowhere. Maybe, you know, they don't have time because of day job. And so they don't have an opportunity to go out for three hours on a Thursday night and play games. But they can play for an hour here or there just because they don't have to go anywhere. And so I think there's going to be a certain amount of drop off from where it is now. But at the same time, it's going to be still a lot greater than it was prior to the pandemic, right? Because so many people are finding the software. So many people now have gotten to know it as far as like how to add their own game to it. They've become familiar with, you know, they've overcome the learning curve with adding their own cards and dice and tokens and that kind of thing. And it's become a really great place to play test your games, also to pitch to publishers. Um, I, I pitched successfully to a publisher a while back. You know, we, we hopped on Tabletop Simulator and I showed 
them the game. So here's how you play it. We played through it and they ended up signing the game. And so I think that's also become a thing for publishers to realize, oh, we can use this too to find games. We don't necessarily have to wait and do 50 meetings during a convention. I can do 10 meetings during a convention. I can do 40, you know, in the, in the other rest of the month online and I don't have to leave my, my office. And so I think a lot of people are figuring it out and how useful it is. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, maybe they have a, they're interested in designing a game or some consulting or some help with it. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. So the website is just boardgamedesignlab.com. And then my email is boardgamedesignlab at gmail.com. The, uh, the Facebook community, the board game design lab community <laughs> uh, on, on Facebook, uh, any of those places are, are great. Uh, and yeah, if, if anybody wants to know more, again, there's almost, Let's see. This week I did the 199th episode of the podcast. So almost every topic has been hit at this point. I'm still I've got like a little list of like little nagging topics I want to hit, you know, sometime soon. But for the most part, we've discussed a lot of stuff. And to the point where we're like, all right, let's go back and talk about this thing again, because we haven't talked about it in four years. And so, yeah, a lot of information out there. And then if you want to go deeper, feel free to contact me and we can figure out where, where to go. Perfect. Gabe Barrett with the Board Game Design Lab. Gabe, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, really appreciate it. You have me on. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.